Welcome to the Middle Church Podcast, a multicultural, multi-ethnic, intergenerational movement of spirit and justice, powered by revolutionary love with room for everyone. No matter where you are, how you look, or who you love, we pray this podcast will help you on your journey. Here's this week's sermon. All right, go with me now for just a little bit. Sitting at the end of my concrete driveway as the sky turned to dusk on the first few days of summer just after school had ended. Kids Incorporated, anybody? And the new Mickey Mouse Club, all right. We're aging ourselves a bit here. Being pulled into the waves by my dad on an inflatable raft. My mom's homemade oatmeal after playing in the snow. Hearing the Christmas bells at my grandmother's house. A screen print vintage t-shirt with an iron-on purple unicorn patch that I commissioned at Myrtle Beach. (laughs) Listening to the sound of my sister's shower as I lay in bed, knowing as long as I could hear the water running, I could justify laying in bed just a little bit longer. As a young child, these things brought me a lot of joy. This week, I found joy every time the M8 bus came. (laughs) You know, anybody, is that anybody's regular bus? It's kind of like the F train used to be, hella unreliable, no matter how many of those apps you have, every time Graham's like, but this app, this app, I'm like, no, it doesn't go. So every time the M8 came this week, I felt a little bit like I won New York. (laughs) Picking up my kids from camp and seeing the tiny masterpieces they created with a needle and thread and behind the pottery wheel, having coffee with my friend Micah, playing with Kaya Rose at yesterday's play date where we invited anyone who's been born since the start of the pandemic. The last time I saw Kaya, was in February 2020, where we were making plans for her baptism set for March 13th, 2020. Seeing Kaya's three-year-old self yesterday with one of her dads brought me a lot of joy. Today's passage from Isaiah is considered by some theologians the most profound statement about God's word to be found in the Old Testament. At the very end of the long Israel exile in Babylon, it speaks of the power of God's word and reminds us what God accomplishes when she speaks. And at the center of that proclamation is joy. When you return home, it will be in joy. I find that I often overthink joy. Let's be clear that we're distinguishing between joy and happiness. Joy isn't eating ice cream. That's just fleeting happiness. That chorus runs through my head. Anybody else? Despite good intentions, I fear we've over-intellectualized that tired joy versus happiness debate so much that we're missing the point. Whatever makes you joyful is what makes you joyful period, be it Marie's crisis or Beyonce or the opera, 
Champagne, casseroles, or Cheerios. Nobody said delighting in ice cream means we think everything else is going to be easy. Nobody said that. Or that we're somehow ignoring the rest of the world while we are eating. The conversation of semantics there, I think, is a distraction. And often we are left then to reserve real joy for only certain people. For example, we know that black women and other women of the global majority and trans people in a patriarchal, white supremacist, heteronormative society aren't allowed to be joyful. <coughs> Thus, any attempt to devalue pleasure, to parse words, is a tool of the white supremacist patriarchy playbook. So friends, what if we allowed ourselves rather allowed each other, all of us, to lean into joy or happiness, I don't care what you call it, in a deeply spiritual way, to hear it, as Isaiah proclaims, as part of what God accomplishes. I'm talking about joy not despite of, not in the absence of, not as the opposite of, but because of, because we are here because we are alive, because God ordains us in joy. The beauty, I think, of joy is in the claiming. When we do this, we don't trivialize joy, but rather we open ourselves to the potential of living lives infused with transcendent, liberating joy. Today, I'm doing something very different. I'm going to do a bullet point sermon. I can count on my two fingers the number of bullet point sermons I've given, one a long time ago and the second one today. But I'm going to offer five places that joy grows and then three ways that joy can be a tool for liberation. First, Joy grows when we are in the center of our purpose and our power. Frederick Buechner says that the place God calls us to is that place where our deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Sometimes we spend our whole lives searching for that sweet meeting point, the X where our deep gladness and the world's hunger meet. But when we find it, changing as often as it might, it feels good, doesn't it? It's a joyous place to be. Said another way, there is something in every one of us that waits and listens for the sound of the genuine in ourselves. It's the only true guide you will ever have. If you can't hear it, you will spend your whole life on the ends of strings that somebody else pulls. Who said that? Well. Someone said it originally, Howard Thurman. When we listen for and follow the sound of the genuine, we find purpose and joy follows. And when we live into our power, all of our layered intersections and unique identities claim them as good and whole and enough, we find joy. Finding joy, this is another quote, 
demands doing the internal work to develop an unconditional love of self, dispelling every vicious lie and claiming every empowering truth about who you are. It requires changing the narrative in your mind about what we deserve, what we're worth, and what we have the potential to become. That's Julian Mitchell. Second place that joy grows is in community. In early 2019, Elaine Guardo, Elaine's here. Kelly, I told you I was going to mention you, and you look so surprised. <laughs> Kelly Smith and I went as representatives of Middle to the California-Mexico border to bear witness to the humanity of the migrants in the sanctuary caravan. Every night as a grounding ritual while we were there, we sang this song. When the world is sick, can't no one be well. But I wish we were beautiful and strong. Joy grows in community. It's hard to be joyful when we understand that we are caught in that inescapable network of mutuality. We thirst when our neighbor doesn't have clean water. When we hurt, because Carly Russell, a young black woman in Birmingham, was missing. Joy that comes from the vision of collective liberation is not easily shaken, because we are strong together. Third place joy grows is in resistance, rest, and ritual. In the aftermath of that godforsaken election in 2016, the line from Toy Derricott's poem, Joy is an Act of Resistance, took over our news feeds, remember? And for good reason. We need to be reminded that claiming joy in the face of despair is revolutionary. According to Austin Channing Brown, that one line gave black women permission not just to be mules for the work of racial justice, carrying a kicking and screaming country into a better future. We were given permission, she said, to also see our joy as giving a middle finger to white supremacy. <laughs> Thanks to Trisha Hershey's Nat Ministry and others who've been preaching the necessity of Sabbath for decades, we are finally understanding the role that rest plays in liberation. And as such, rest is ripe ground for nurturing joy. We are not commodities for production. We are neighbors and an economy of partners. Quinceañeras, bar mitzvahs, baptisms, weddings. When we think of these, and also funerals, sitting shiva, ofrendas. We feel that rituals nurture joy. Transcendent in nature, they call upon our ancestors, remind us of our liminality, and claim celebration and grief as integral parts of life. Number four, joy grows in mindfulness and marvel at the mundane. A seminary professor of mine, you've heard me say this before, always said that either nothing is a miracle or everything is a miracle. What if we believed that? That waking up this morning, having a heart that works, 
breathing, that these things are truly miraculous. Such an eye for wonder nurtures joy. We realize the mundane is actually quite extraordinary. So joy is slowing down. It's practicing mindfulness. It's seeing with intentionality. It's listening with care, nurturing joy. Research shows that small bursts of positive emotion can help reset the body's physical responses to stress and allow us to continue from a healthier place. I'd say we'll all be doing pretty well after leaving here today, right? <laughs> My grandmother Phyllis had a picture of Jesus in her home, only one, and it was a picture of a laughing Jesus. The older I've gotten, the more I realize how profound that picture is. Number five, joy grows when we claim our inherent self-worth. Isaiah wants his listeners to heed his call to re-embrace their distinctive identity and in so doing separate themselves from alliances to empire. Isaiah wanted his listeners to return home with a clear covenantal identity. You are mine, I am yours, you are beloved. Joy grows in that covenant. Inasmuch, black feminism has long claimed joy. This covenantal relationship as a tenet of survival. In a recent op-ed, our Jackie Lewis wrote with Angela Farrell, Zabala, they asked how we maintain hope when tragic trends like rising gun violence don't show any sign of reversing. For us, they write, the answer is black joy. The revolutionary concept that celebrating our humanity is an act of resistance. And friends, as we nurture and grow joy, joy becomes a tool for liberation. First, because joy is disruptive. When we infuse joy into the mundane, we're forced to see same things differently. And our new eyes allow us to imagine different ways of sustainability, of equity, and of justice. On the 49th anniversary of Roe versus Wade, which did end up being the last, Jackie, Natalie, and I didn't go down to Washington, D.C. to argue and pity ourselves. We went and participated in a repro rave, an all-out dance party in front of SCOTUS. Two months ago, four trans youth from all over the country organized a trans prom, did you see it? On Capitol Hill, centering their joy and celebration in the face of ongoing attacks. In an attempt to increase voter turnout in battleground cities, a movement called, you guessed it, Joy to the Polls, brings music, dance, and celebration to the streets leading up to voting sites. Secondly, joy is a tool for liberation because it's a catalyst for justice. Natalie showed this so well in the children's message. Joy is persuasive, isn't it? It has a propelling force. Such forces have endless potential to upend society. Imagine what we could upend with the forces of joy. 
Last week, we talked about doors for justice, getting people places to enter into the work. Joy is a door for justice. Let's enter it. Further, joy is a sign of thriving, of vibrancy, of delight. And our liberation work includes the demand that all people should thrive. Depriving anyone of this is dehumanizing and unjust. Therefore, we claim our joy. At the same time, we claim our justice. Finally, joy is a tool for liberation because joy manifests abundance. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return until they have watered the earth, so shall my word be. It will not return to me empty. It will accomplish that which I purpose. What happens if the earth doesn't get rain? It becomes parched. It will eventually stop functioning. But that's not what happens in Isaiah's summons. The cycle continues, and each does what it needs to do. There's water for the earth to feed the plants, the people, the animals, to fill our oceans, because the vision of God's world is one of enough. When we tap into joy, we are more likely to tap into that promise that there is enough. We push scarcity politics aside. We stand with those who are striking, saying we need more because we know there is enough. We reject scarcity as we tap into joy that manifests abundance. The picture of laughing Jesus now hangs in my mother's bedroom. I carry it with me in my mind most days. Joie de vivre. It just might change the world. May it be so. Thanks for listening, friends. To learn more about Middle Church, visit middlechurch.org. You can help grow this movement of love and justice by rating us on Apple or Spotify and by sharing this episode with a friend or two. Send us an email at info at middlechurch.org if you have any questions or comments. We hope you'll come back next week. Bye for now.